The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ryan Musser, and I'm just a member here at the church. And I have the privilege of getting to bring God's word to you this morning. I was a minister for many, many years in churches across Texas, and I am delighted to get to do my favorite thing in the world this morning and preach the gospel. So thank you so much for the opportunity. If you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want to say a few things. First of all, if you are here this morning in Worship East, welcome. We are so excited that you are here worshiping with us. Um, I recognize that today is one of the prettiest days we have had in a very, very long time. It is a sacrifice for you to be inside this morning, and we appreciate the fact that you have given that to Jesus this morning. We thank you. For those of you who are in the traditional service, welcome. We're so excited that we have the ability to worship together, that everyone gets to come and express their praise to God as they are, and that we can still do that as one church together today. We are so thankful for that. For those of you who may not be worshiping with us physically, but you're watching this online, we are so thankful that you have taken the time to do that. Maybe you're sick or traveling. We are grateful for you as well. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become of children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of flesh, or of the will of man, but of God." And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. It's important, as I said last week, to put passages in context. It's pretty easy that there's nothing before this particular passage. This is the beginning of the Gospel of John. What's important to note is that the Gospel of John while it's telling the good news of Jesus, it does so in a way different than any other gospel. I don't know if any of you watched college football yesterday. I don't know if your teams were doing well or whatever, but in our house, we support the Baylor Bears, which can be painful from time to time. It can be glorious from time to time, 
But one of the challenges is that we don't get the channel that the Baylor Bears are going to be streamed on. So instead of doing that, what we did yesterday when we could at our house was we put on YouTube and we watched John Morris, the voice of the Bears, do his broadcast over the radio. That's right. We watched someone talk to us. And the whole time, not looking at us or paying attention to us because his job is to be a radio announcer. But as I was watching him look through the binoculars and describing exactly what was going on moment by moment so that I could see it in my head, it reminded me that that is what Matthew, Mark, and Luke are doing, especially the Gospel of Mark. They're giving you the play-by-play so that you will be able to understand the motions and movements of Jesus. You're getting the details, and they try to grab as many as they can. They're sportscasters giving you that kind of imagery. But the Gospel of John is not like that. John's an investigative reporter. This is Dateline or 2020. He's not giving you every single thing that's going on. He's giving you the behind the scenes, the truth that's going on behind the things that you saw that you wouldn't know otherwise. And so rather than starting in the manger, he starts a little further back. In the beginning was the word. Does a phrase in the beginning conjure up anything for you? Any passages come to mind? You're welcome to answer if you know one. Genesis. We read Genesis 1 earlier. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The book of Genesis has a title in Hebrew, and it's not Genesis. It's Bereshit, and it means in the beginning. John's drawing a parallel. He goes all the way back to Genesis 1, and he wants to explain how this story ties into the very beginning of all things. In the beginning was the word, in Greek, the logos. This is an idea that was familiar to the Jews and to the Greeks of the day. The logos was, to the Greeks, the first created being, that thing that goes between a spiritual God and our world, the in-between, the intermediary. In the beginning was the word. The Greeks would agree with this. They had no problem with it. The Jews had an idea of lady wisdom that's there in their writings. And the idea that there's intermediary between us and God. The Jews recognized there need to be a priest. There need to be someone to go between us. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And then John throws the world on its ear. And the word was God. Now this is where a problem occurs for many of the early readers. See, the whole point of the intermediary was that God was holy and separate. For the Greeks, the idea was that the spiritual was good, it was clean, it was what we wanted, and the physical was tainted and distorted and dirty. So God, who is spirit, can't interact with the physical world. That would be to sully himself. So for the Logos, this one that they understood to be working with us, to be God, that was offensive. The Jews had an idea, quite correctly, that God was not sinful, that God was holy and set apart. And so God, their idea was, would not bring himself in the midst of our sins. The sacrifice there in the temple was made to make it a holy place. The point being that God is set apart and away from the mess we have created in this world. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This causes a problem for them. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What is coming to being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. They had no problem with the idea that this logos, this word, this one had created. But John is saying that it's God himself who has done so and gotten involved. Now, for the, for the Hebrew readers, there is probably some irony going on here. Because in Genesis chapter 1, God does create, but he does so by speaking. It is literally his words that do so. And so the word of God, and in this passage, we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about this one who is God. This one creates. The spoken word creates. God's word creates. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. God's first words in the whole Bible are to make sure that our world does not exist in darkness. God's first words are, let there be light. In this passage, John is reiterating the point that there is not a moment that God is willing for our world to sit in darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it, does not grasp it, does not overcome it. It does not own it. It does not put it out. John's telling us this for a very, very, very important reason, because later on in his story, it's going to get pretty dark. If you read the story of Jesus, there are many moments where it gets dark. There are people born into blindness and people whose daughters die. There are people who are struggling with heart-wrenching things, dragged out in their sin and threatened to be stoned. There are moments in the darkness where Jesus himself is betrayed. And there's a moment on the cross when he's dying, when it looks like the light of the world and the sun physically go out. When John writes this, he doesn't write it in English. Man, wouldn't that have made it easy? I got to be honest with you. Learning Greek was not my favorite thing in the world. When they say it's all Greek to me, they use that for a reason. Greek has a billion tenses. I swear it does. And it's very difficult for me to understand. It was difficult to learn. And John doesn't use the past tense here. He doesn't use the present tense nor the future tense. He uses something in Greek that we don't have, the perfect tense. Oh, we have past perfect and present perfect, but that's not what he uses here. John's sentence, literally translated, says this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not, does not, and will never put it out. It is a once-for-all statement that is not changed by the passage of time or the interactions of your life or mine. There is no situation that changes this. No tense, no time, no nothing. This is the way it is, says John, from the beginning to the end. And what was true in the beginning will be true in the end. Don't forget it in my gospel. Don't forget it in my story. This is the reality. And then, after telling us who the Logos, the Word, is... 
he says in John 1.14 the following. And the word became flesh and lived among us. Now, this also is a problem for them because we're talking about God becoming flesh. This is a problem for some people. If you think God doesn't change, this verse is a problem for you. I'm just letting you know because it says God became flesh and dwelt among us. That God the Son had every ability to continue being whatever spiritual existence he might be or whatever else and instead becomes human and dwells among us. The way this is translated literally is that the word became flesh and tabernacled with us. Now you may be thinking of that giant lofty tent that was used in the wilderness to worship God and that's not it. The queen visited the United States, I think, five times. And every time she came, I promised you there were really lofty preparations for the royalty that was coming over. This passage says that the one who created everything came and pitched a tent with us. Does anyone here like camping? Actually enjoy it? And and by the way, I mean camping. That thing that you do with your RV where you go out in your air conditioning and running water, and all of those things, that's called glamping, and I am very happy that you have many support groups. But in this particular place, we can speak some truth and be honest that that ain't it. Uh, Camping is the thing where you take a tent, and you put it out, or you just lay under the stars, and you go out, and you don't have an otherwise abode for the season that you're out there. There is a camping season in Texas. I promise you, as far as I'm concerned, it exists from October to April and nowhere in between. Because in the state of Texas, the state is actively trying to kill you with its heat the rest of the time. Don't go out the rest of the time to camp because you're not going to sleep. You're going to sweat. And that's it. I love camping, and my wife loves camping. When we were first married, we didn't have much money, but you can go camping for pretty cheaply, and so we would, and we would just drive the car up and go camping. But at some point, I wanted to do something more adventurous because I'm crazy. And so I decided that would be great is if we put all of this stuff on our back and we went and hiked out into the woods and did it. And it'd be really great if the first time we did it, we did an 18-mile hike through the Ozark Highland Trail in Arkansas. So, being a supportive wife who didn't want to tell me that I was out of my mind, she went along with this, and we brought along some friends, and we went out to go camping on the Ozark Highland Trail. And while we were out there, um, or rather while we were getting there, it started to rain. And it was about 45 degrees. And... My wife, who had lived in Arkansas, and my friend who had lived in Arkansas said, we need to not go out today, Ryan. And I said, I have spent money, and I have spent time, and I have prepared, and this is my time off, and water is not going to prevent me from going out on this trip. And so, again, being supportive and not saying, no, dum-dum, listen to us, they went along with this. And as we hiked out into the frigid rain that just came down harder and harder as the day went on, It finally came to the point where it was getting very dark and it was time we had to put up the tents. And there was mud 
and water and everything was flowing in and it didn't matter how hard you tried to keep stuff out there was just a mess putting up a tent i have put up tents in many places on many trips and i am telling you it is always a messy thing for me it doesn't matter if it's dry or wet if it's dry the dirt seems to get in it gets dusty if it's wet you've got everything that just soaks up whatever you don't want in And the word became flesh and set his tent up where we are. And where we are, there's a mess. Where we are, the world's broken. Genesis 3 says this place isn't perfect anymore. We've messed it up. Our sin does that. Our brokenness perpetuates. It's a systems theory where it goes out, not just cause and effect. All of our actions and sins bump up against each other. It's a mess down here. And the word becomes flesh and sets his tent up right there with us and shines his light. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Moses is attributed with the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah, the law. He's attributed those books. While he was leading Israel, they received those books or those teachings, at least. But Moses never leads them into the promised land. He doesn't bring them to where they really want to go. For that, there's a guy named Joshua whose name translates the Lord saves. We do a bad job of translating the name of Jesus. It's a horrible mispronunciation. His name was Yeshua, Joshua. Joshua is always the one who leads us into the promised land. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth where we needed to breathe is brought through Joshua. The word became flesh and brought this to us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of a father's only son. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son, who is close to the father's heart, who has revealed him from the darkness to us, exegeted him to us, disclosed what was there all along to us. The Logos, the word, sets his tent up in our dark place as a human and shines his light on us. He illuminated us, and he illuminated God, and he allowed us to see what we had never seen before. In the Old Testament, you may be aware that there are books that are prophetic, the prophetic books, the prophets' books. And if you were to talk to somebody who's an Old Testament scholar, they would tell you that most of those books really aren't doing the thing that you probably think of when you think of prophecy, which is telling the future. They're not foretelling, they're forthtelling. The difference is this. Instead of telling you what the lottery numbers are tomorrow, they're doing what a mom does to her children in the kitchen when there's a hot stove. They're telling them that if you put your hand on that stove, it will burn you. Mom's not seeing the future there. She's telling you the consequences of your actions. They're getting the consequences of the actions from God. He is telling them, here is the system that's set up. Here's how forgiveness comes. Here's what following me looks like. Here's what being my people looks like. If you follow me, I'll be your God. If not, I'll remove my hand of protection. He's telling them exactly how it goes. If you leave that stone, that stove alone for a little bit, it cools off. That's the situation. And as long as the temple is there and they think they have their system, then that all works. But in 587 BC, 
They haven't been following for a very long time. And God has warned them time and time again, you can't just come in and make an offering and make it all right. You actually have to repent and change, and they're not doing that. And so God removes his hand of protection as he said he would, and they fall to the Babylonians. And they tear down the temple, the place where salvation and grace could be found. And they destroy that system, and they carry them out into Babylon and they're weeping and crying because how do you repent when you can't make the sacrifice? How do you do? The system doesn't work anymore. There is no prophecy that fixed this because there's no way this system can possibly work anymore. How do we turn back to God? How can he be with us if the house is broken? How can it possibly happen? And so there's this other thing that happens in the Old Testament. It's not prophetic literature. It's called Adventus. It is, by definition, when the system no longer works and God breaks in and says, I'm going to change the rules. You go into a dark place by yourself. I go with you. I, your God, will go with you. I don't need the house. I don't need those things. And I'm going to come and change it. And when this is all done, all the nations of the world will know who I am. And they will worship me. And this story's not over yet. We call the season that reflects this Advent. I don't know your story. I don't know how you've experienced darkness. When I was three years old, I was living in Bedford, Texas. Bedford's not too far from here. We had moved around quite a bit. My father uh, and my mother were living together in an apartment over here in Bedford, and we were all there. He had been struggling with addictions, alcohol, drugs, anxiety, depression, a lot of things. Things that, if you've ever struggled with those things, you know that they don't bring out the best in you. They don't even really reflect who you are. It can change who you appear to be. Some of you have been in those dark places. You know about that. During that time, he became violent and hurtful. And that had gone on for a very long time. And there's a particular night that I remember where I was on a stairwell facing the upstairs in this little quadplex apartment and in the back over here is my mom and my father and there's a fight going on and it's violent and it's loud and I'm a three-year-old little boy and I wanted to stop it. But I didn't have the power to fix this. And it was frustrating. And it was hurtful. And I could not fix it. So I didn't know anything about God except that my grandma had told me there was one. And my mom had told me there was one. And I didn't know anything about this God. But I needed someone to help. And so whatever the heck was out there, I just asked it to please help. Because I can't do it. That had gone on for years, and what I know for a fact is that within a few weeks, we were gone out of that situation, never to be in it again. I'm sure there are plenty of rational explanations for that, and that's great. We went to live with my grandparents down in Crawford, Texas, the booming metropolis that it is. And so this 
kid that's not related to anybody starts going to a small town where everyone else is related and family and takes care of one another. And that was a better situation it was. But over the course of years, I was convinced there was something wrong with me. Because if that happened to him, maybe there's something in me that's broken and wrong. And it didn't help the fact that I didn't have friends in school. I didn't have people who were kind to me and nice to me. I got bullied an awful lot. I was awkward and uncomfortable. I didn't feel okay. And that continued on for a very, very long time. And I got angrier and angrier. You may wonder how it is that people can get so angry in a place of such darkness that they do such awful atrocities as you see on the news. I don't. Because I can imagine that if I continued down that road, how angry and bitter and violent I might have become. Convinced that there was something broken in me and that everyone else saw it and they just hated me. And then this guy named Jeffrey Erlinson invited me to the youth group. And I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, well, we have a youth minister. I was like, I'm still not talking to me. I don't know what that is. He said, it's church. And I go, I don't want that. Thank you. I had been to church. Churches where people judged me because I didn't have the right clothes. We had gone a few times. I didn't have the right clothes. I didn't know the songs. I didn't know the stories. I didn't understand the stuff. And people would say things. And it was, you know, it's funny because the same people who were, who were beating me up during the week also went to church. I didn't want to be in that place. But he told me that there was a progressive dinner, and what that meant was I got dessert first. And so I went. I know, deep. Nonetheless, I went, and those people, for the first time ever, I I found people who were genuinely nice to me, as I was. Awkward and all, not understanding and definitely not believing the stuff that they did. I did not go back. But as my mom did, she would fight with us on Sundays to go to church, and sometimes we would win and we would delay things to where we didn't have to go. But then this particular Saturday, she came and said, we are going to church tomorrow. It is happening. So you have a choice. You get to pick where we go. And I said, I want to go where they were nice to me. We went back there. It had been a few months later, so they already had a new youth minister, because that's how that goes. And they were still nice to me. And I didn't believe what they were talking about. But I had to be honest. There was definitely something different about these people. So I kept coming back. I kept coming back even when other people were sick, and my parents had to drop me off of the church, because the truth is, I don't trust and believe anything without seeing it. I'm not going to simply take I am Thomas. I am going to ask for the holes in the hand. Show me, please. I question everything, and I challenge them on everything. I would meet the pastor at the door after church, and I'd say to him, excuse me, you said that the alcohol that Jesus drank was not fermented last week. This week you preached a sermon about how we needed new wineskins because during the fermentation process they would pop if they weren't new. What's up with that? Thank you, Ryan, for coming to church. Go on. We enjoyed having you. 
But every week I would come and I would read and I would find out and I would pay attention and I would challenge it. And the truth is that what I found was I found that this God was actually real and alive and had been with me in the darkness in every moment pulling me out and in this moment giving me an opportunity that I did not think was possible. That in fact the whole stinking world was broken. It wasn't just me. I wasn't more broken than anyone else and that we all are loved just as we are. He came into the world to save it, not to condemn it. And so that meant there was hope for me right where I was. And so I just walked down with nobody else there and went and said, I need Jesus. And that was it. And that moment changed my life from then on out. I wanted to know more about this. My family, we hadn't anyone gone to a four-year university. All of a sudden, I got to go to the University of Mary Hard Baylor and study, believe it or not, theology. And then get a scholarship to go to seminary that I couldn't afford, and they paid for me to go learn it there too. Someone else had the scholarship. They decided to turn down the full ride, and it just happened to fall to me. On and on along the way in my story, things changed that I never thought were possible. I never thought that I'd be able to get married. How could I? How broken must I be? And yet I have a beautiful, wonderful wife, and my life is completely different. Never would I dare to be a daddy, and yet now I am. Life has changed completely. I don't know what your story is, but I know what mine is, and now you do too. I don't care what you've been told and I don't care what you've experienced. You do not live in darkness. You live in a place where there is light and if you don't know that, you come down here and find it because that is my story and that is the truth and it is once for all. The light still shines in the darkness. It did not, does not, and will not put it out. And if you don't have that, there is no excuse today to leave it because I will be standing here telling you the truth because I have lived it. This is a place where people are supposed to show light. So those of you who have it, listen to me right now. I wouldn't be here today if a guy who screwed up all the time and didn't get things right and everyone looked at and laughed at from time to time didn't take a chance and go, you know what, I'm broken and messed up and everything else, but I'm supposed to be light. Ryan, would you like to be here? And made sure that I saw it. You go out and live it because there are people in dark places who need it. In this place today, I don't know your story. You now know mine. Don't you dare leave here lingering in darkness because that isn't your truth and your future. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus our Lord. The word became flesh and shone his light right in our dark situation. We aren't church people who have perfect anything. We go back to messy lives, messy marriages, messy homes, and he is alive and well in every one of those situations. And don't you forget it. Let's pray. Gracious God, in this place today, I pray that you would grab every person who is hurting. They may be struggling with abuse, addiction, whatever. It doesn't matter. Maybe they're the victim. Maybe they're the one causing the problems. You love every single one of us and tell us that those things aren't our future and they aren't our truth. Today in this place, may we be light to one another. May we show kindness and grace and truth to one another in this place today. May we find the light shining in whatever darkness we have. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know him today, you come down here. Would you stand? We'll have pastors down front. If you need to make a decision today to give your life to Jesus, come down, speak to one of them.
you want to join this church, this Bible-believing, saving hospital, come join us today. If you need prayer, come down. Let's sing together. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. challenges and things that we walk through and life that happens to us. But when the light of the world shines in our life, we cannot ignore it. And so I wanted to invite you, um, just as we close out our time together, that if you are in that place and you want somebody to pray with you, to walk alongside you, to take some of the light that God has given to them and show you what that looks like in your life. And I ask you to come and to meet us in the Next Steps room afterwards. There will be pastors there that will continue to uh, wait and, and wait for you to come. And then they will pray with you when you get there. And then we also, if, if you're walking through those types of things and you need a community to come around you, this is a place, our, our, our church wants to be and desires to be a place that brings healing and wholeness to our community and beyond. And we do that because of the light that is in us. And so we invite you into that as well. We invite you to join our church family, to be a part of our community and to learn and to receive that light and then to learn to go and give that light out to others. And so if you would like to become a part of our church, you can also go to the Next Steps room and there will be pastors there that will receive you in that and they will show you what that looks like to become a part of our church. If you're already a part of our church and you've been coming here for a while but you've struggled with finding a place, a community, a time that you can really be with other people to walk through those things, we invite you to join, to go see at the welcome desk, what our communities look like, whether it's Sunday school or discipleship groups, whatever that looks like, join, become a part of a community. If you're someone who desperately had, wants to take the light that's already in you or learn about the light that's in you and then take that out into the world, we invite you to come and to go to our mission wall and to learn what it looks like to serve the community and beyond. We're a body believers 
that believe deeply in the light of Jesus and what it, we walk together, we learn together, we love together, we cry together, and then we take that light into the world. And so we invite you to come be a part and to show Jesus in the light of the world what it really looks like. Amen? All right.